The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jarami, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national breaking and headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress and other high-profile public figures. Today, after the headlines, I interview Arizona Congressman Ruben Gleo, followed by renowned journalist, Politico, and the publisher of the California Courier, Harut Sassunian. Here are some headlines from this morning and over the weekend. There are 22 days left until the election. More than 7.3 million Americans have already voted in the general election, according to a CNN and Edison research survey of election officials in 36 states reporting voting data. Vice President Joe Biden is dominating President Trump in the latest polls. Biden is in a better position at this point than any challenger since 1936 when the first scientific polls were taken in a presidential race. The ABC News Washington Post poll released on Sunday was the latest poll to indicate Biden's strength. Biden led Trump by 55 percent to 43 percent margin among likely voters. The poll was the third high-quality national poll published last week that had Biden by at least 10 points above 50%, the other two being from CNN slash SSRS and Fox News. Six men were arrested last week for an alleged plot to kidnap Democratic Governor of Michigan Gretchen Whitmer and violently overthrow the state's government. Through it all, President Trump has been involved in heightening those tensions with his public statements. According to BBC, the states that will determine the election results are Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, Virginia, and Wisconsin. Azerbaijan and Turkey's unprovoked war against Artsakh and Armenia continues after Azerbaijan violated the terms of a ceasefire that was put in place on Saturday. Azerbaijan's president, Aliyev, refuses to accept the Armenians' right to self-determination in Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, launched a massive attack against Armenia and Artsakh on September 27. Before the war, Azerbaijan secured the support of the Turkish armed forces and a large number of terrorists from Syria, Libya, and Pakistan, paid by the Turkish government. Since, Azerbaijan has relentlessly shelled Artsakh and missiles and cluster bombs, which are illegal under international law. Aliyev has also targeted cultural institutions, bombing an ancient Armenian cathedral three times last week. Here in the U.S., Congressman Brad Sherman called for global Magnitsky Act sanctions on Aliyev regime in Azerbaijan. In the meantime, Congresswoman Jackie Speer introduced a bipartisan resolution condemning Azerbaijani aggression, slamming Turkey's escalation of attacks on Artsakh and Armenia. Congresswoman Speer joined with her Armenian caucus colleagues in introducing a strongly worded resolution condemning Azerbaijan's unprovoked attack on Artsakh and denouncing Turkey's participation and escalation of this offensive. Here are the latest COVID-19 numbers. In the U.S., 214,000 Americans have died from the coronavirus. 
In California, that number is 16,568. And in LA County, 6,768 people have died from COVID-19. That number is 1,070,000 throughout the world. For the most accurate coronavirus reports and numbers, please visit the websites of the CDC, World Health Organization, and Johns Hopkins University. Election day is Tuesday, November 3rd. The deadline to register online to vote is Monday, October 19th. The deadline for registering by mail to vote postmarked by Monday, October 19th. The deadline to register in person to vote is Tuesday, November 3rd. Early voting period runs from Monday, October 5th through Monday, November 2nd, but dates and hours may vary based on where you live. You can also register and vote on election day. For more information, if you are in California, go to registertovote.ca.gov or anywhere else you can go to vote.org. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. I'm going to keep Let's Get Blunt brief today. Just want to talk about Artsakh. The people of every land, every country, every region have the right to their own self-determination. And the people of Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, in 1988, three years before the fall of the Soviet Union, declared independence and decided that they want to be autonomous. And that's something that Azerbaijan and Turkey will not accept and have unleashed wars on Artsakh and Armenia time and time again. In the meantime, I think it's time for the international community to recognize Artsakh. I repeat, it's time for countries and states and cities to recognize Artsakh. For more bluntness, you can follow me on Twitter at Vic Jarami. That's at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Let's get blunt. The Blunt Post with Vic. Congressman Ruben Galeo represents the 7th District of Arizona and was first elected to Congress in 2014. Congressman Galeo is a Marine Corps combat veteran, a lifelong community leader, and the son of Hispanic immigrants. He was the first in his family to attend college, graduating from Harvard University with a degree in international relations. Congressman Galeo is also a member of the House Natural Resources Committee, where he serves as chairman of the Natural Resources Subcommittee for Indigenous Peoples of the United States. Congressman Galeo is an assistant whip for the Democratic Caucus, first vice chair of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, vice chair and tribal liaison of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, and vice chair of the LGBT Equality Caucus. Good morning, Congressman Gallego. Thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So I can only imagine that things change for you on an hourly basis with everything that's happening so quickly for members of Congress, our, our country. So my first question is a broad, a broad one, and that is, what's your perspective on what's happening in the country and on our road ahead to November 3rd? and uh, where we are today. Look, I think this country is going through uh, demographic change and that there's some people uh, and some voters that are just not dealing with it uh, in a, I think, constructive manner. Uh, And it's being manifested through votes for Donald Trump. Not all votes, but some of them. 
and uh, I think it's you know very dangerous to democracy. But at the end of the day, uh, I think people uh, will decide who is going to be the president of the United States. Uh, and I think that will kind of be more determinative of where we go as a nation than some of the stuff we're hearing on TV and, and radio right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. I'm wondering, personally, I'm cautiously optimistic about November 3rd. How do you feel about um I feel very optimistic about November 3rd. Obviously, there's a lot of time between now and then, but I do see a, a resurgence of young voters. I see a lot of people that kind of have left politics or, or were cynical about politics years ago coming back and, and realizing that these elections are, are important and more importantly in terms of you know the direction of this country and this democracy that it's going to be important that we reelect, uh, that we not elect Donald Trump, that we put in uh, Joe Biden. For those reasons, I feel... I feel more confident. Certainly in Arizona, I feel confident that we're going to do well. Fantastic. In terms of uh, the Supreme Court, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that a Supreme Court justice will be confirmed before the election? I don't know. I mean, I certainly don't hope so. Uh, but the history of Republicans uh, trying to be civil and not trying to exert power uh, is is not good, at least for, I would think, people like me and progressives like me. Uh, the Republican Party knows that demographically, you know, the next you know 50 years potentially is going to be awful for them. And they need to solidify their conservative values in the court system because they're not going to be able to win uh, in the, um, you know, in, in the court of, of, of votes uh, and, and democracy. So uh, I do think they're going to do everything they can to get there. I think we should do everything we can to stop them. Uh, but it, we shouldn't. Uh, we should be realistic that you know who the Republicans are and what they're willing to do to keep power. That was really you just described that really well. You just put it in, in in great words in terms of the reason that Donald Trump in the last four years has spent confirming so many federal judges that are super conservative, and now of course the the last power grab is the last Supreme Court justice that he could potentially. Uh, confirm, which would be really damaging to our country. The balance will shift dramatically toward conservative. Mm -hmm. In terms of um, your campaign and in 2021, your initiatives and your objectives, what are some of the top priorities that you have for your district in Arizona? Well, for my district and Arizona in general, you know, I want to focus on a couple of things, especially should we take control of the House and the Senate. Number one, reinforce the Affordable Health Care Act. I think there's going to be a move by the Supreme Court to to destroy the Affordable Health Care Act, which will significantly impact my district since we, uh, you know, benefit a lot from uh, the Affordable Health Care Act versus where either the markets or the Medicaid expansion. Uh, I want to work uh, also on, uh, you know, economic and infrastructure revival. We're going to have uh, a, a tough time once we come out of COVID in order for us to restart this economy. My district could use a lot of infrastructure investments as well as, you know, green investments since we're in the desert and, and it's getting hotter and uh, drier here. And then, uh, you know, lastly, as the chairman of the subcommittee for indigenous peoples, of the United States, the subcommittee that basically is in charge of a lot of our tribal relationships. And I want to go and undo a lot of the damage uh, that was done under the Trump administration to tribal sovereignty. <laughs> This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Arizona Congressman Ruben Galeo. Thank you for that. That last part, of course, you've been a, a great supporter of the indigenous people or Native Americans, as some call them. Uh, in fact, you authored a bill 
that recently passed, which is the Native American Veteran Parity and Access to Care Today. I believe that was not too long ago that you helped right. to pass that. Yeah, I passed it, uh, I think, like two weeks ago. And basically, it's our sacred trust responsibility and part of our tribal and uh, treaty agreements with our tribal brothers and sisters was that we would be 100% responsible for uh, the health care of tribally enrolled members. That's both on reservations and off reservations. And that extends to the VA. Uh, However, the VA had this practice of charging not just Native veterans, but veterans in general co-pays for any um, for services if they didn't have 100% disability or 100% rating. And that is in violation, again, of our treaty obligation. So I uh, passed this law to basically put it aligned with our other laws, which says that if you are a tribal enrolled veteran uh, and you have a copay, the government will be paying that copay. You will not pay that copay as part of our responsibility. Wow. That's a very thorough they're lucky to have a representative like you enforcing Thank it. Thank you. I, I try. Yeah. So I read that um, COVID-19 cases in Arizona have spiked. In fact, um, I believe uh, as of today, today it was reported that 683 new cases and yep. three people had died. I'm wondering, um, is this, I'm sure it's a, it's a matter of concern for you, but is it becoming critical again? Like a lot of other states it, it's going to yeah it's going to become critical um it may not be at the the breaking point but it's com- becoming critical because as the weather gets nicer more people are going to want to get out and you know socialize uh and we have started to reopen i think in a very irresponsible manner uh, while at the same time the flu season has started uh which means that there's going to be a lot of confusion about who, whether you have the flu or whether you have COVID-19. So right. uh, I really urge everybody to continue to social distance, continue to wear masks, you know, do not go out uh, if you have to, if you have to go out and have dinner with friends, make sure it's a ventilated area, things of, of that nature. Because I think, you know, this is going to be a bigger problem than people realize. And I think there will be a resurgence in COVID-19. Have you had uh, any luck with the Trump administration in terms of uh helping the state with COVID-19 resources and, and money, essentially? We've had some luck, largely working uh, with the PP program in terms of paycheck protection for helping people get uh, uh, money to keep their businesses open. We've had more success uh, with the Trump administration than what we had with the state government in terms of helping people get their unemployment uh, benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in particular, of the last since the last round, you know, there hasn't been much success in terms of getting people money uh, that they would need uh, right now. So this last COVID pro- uh, relief bill has not passed. There's people right now that are un- unemployed, uh, receiving very little unemployment compensation, starting to get uh, evicted from their homes, uh, losing their cars, things of that nature. So, you know, I would hope the Trump administration understands the severity of the issue now and gets really the ball rolling and help us pass another stimulus. Yeah, the... In terms of the state government, California has had a lot of challenges itself with unemployment. EDD has been backed up for months. Some people did not receive their first check for four or five months even, and it continues to be a big problem. In terms of the stimulus, um, from what I understand, Trump has just basically stopped talking about it, wanting to negotiate, and it seems that we would not have a stim- the second stimulus until after the election. Am I wrong on that? 
I think there is going to be a second stimulus before the election. This president has been very erratic about where he stands on the stimulus. He uh, today tweeted out that we should, you know, do everything we can and and you know be as bold as we can in terms of stimulus, which has obviously changed from 24 hours ago. Look, he he wants the stimulus because he needs to get reelected. He needs anything to help him get reelected. I want a stimulus because I care about uh, you know the, our American citizenry who right now are suffering, can barely pay bills, are going deep into holes, deep go, going deep into debt, uh, and so you know we have an alignment of interests. Uh, what I don't want to do is hold off till after the election because after the election, once he loses, I sincerely doubt he have any care about a stimulus. And more importantly, I think a lot of Republicans are going to care less about a stimulus. Right now, it might be the best time for us to pass the stimulus, and it might be the best time for him to pass the stimulus. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, if it helps Americans, I think that matters. I don't think it actually will have any outcome at all when it comes to the when it comes to the election, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I like that perspective. It's very interesting. This is the Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with. Arizona Congressman Ruben Galeo. I want to ask you, um, just change topics for a minute. Uh, recently, in, I think two days ago, Congresswoman Jackie Speer and 70 members of Congress wrote a letter to the State Department and President Trump asking them to sanction Turkey in aiding Azerbaijan in this war of ethnic cleansing that Azerbaijan and Turkey have unleashed on Artsakh and Armenia. Armenia. I'm wondering what your um, take is on that, and if you support this. Well, I'll have to look at the the, the bill because um, I don't know exactly what they're asking. But Turkey needs to stop being a uh, actor and a player in this conflict, and Armenia and Azerbaijan uh, should, you know, move back to their respective uh, zones and allow, uh, you know, some peacekeepers as well as some mediation to happen. That conflict, you know, did not. <laughs> did not help either Azerbaijan or Armenia uh, for many years. And instability in that area is not just going to be limited to Turkey. It could bring in Russia, it could bring in Iran, it could bring in uh, the Kurds. I mean, it's just not a stable situation. And I would advise Turkey that they shouldn't be aiding uh, in this type of conflict. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's kind of expanded now. We have reports, confirmed reports of Uh, Syrian mercenaries and even Pakistani mercenaries and some ISIS fighters that Azerbaijan has uh, recruited to fight against Armenia. And unfortunately, you know, this was an unprovoked war that was unleashed on Artsakh. And it's very difficult to sit down at a table and negotiate when the other side won't stop, you know, bombarding you. Everyone has to stop. One side can't stop while the other side is still fighting. I mean, obviously that's that's not logical, nor is it safer yeah. for, for example, Armenia to do something like that. And it's why like there should be a ceasefire on all sides and then begin uh, conversations. But, right. you know, outside foreign actors should not be getting involved to begin with in this. Yeah, agreed. I think Turkey is, um, some say Turkey is sort of trying to finish the Armenian genocide started 105 years ago. Um, yep. We shall see. There, there are some talks uh, in Russia today some preliminary negotiations yep. so we'll see and again that. this is this is a very dangerous game i think that turkey's playing and and uh it's it it does not end well for humanity in general indeed congressman are there any issues or anything that you'd like to add that i haven't brought up and discuss about arizona your district the country 
general? No, I mean we're we're just working hard uh, here to make sure the state turns blue and and we you know get the support that people need uh, to basically make it through COVID nineteen. And how can people support you? Any call to action or anything you'd like? Uh, well, if you're, if you're in Arizona, please register to vote. Uh, you still have time to register to vote here in Arizona. Please talk to your neighbors about signing up for early ballots and making sure to vote. Uh, and make sure to de- you know donate to uh, you know Democratic Party, to me. We're always turning off the vote. and We're doing the best that we can to make sure that we turn the state blue. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Congressman, for being on the show. Your time, much, much appreciated. Thank you. You too. Have a good one. (laughs) You too. Bye-bye. That was Congressman Ruben Galeo from Arizona, who is brilliant, a Harvard grad and a fierce fighter for the people of Arizona. Thank you, Congressman, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic today. The Blunt Post with Vic. Harut Sasunyan is a renowned syndicated columnist, TV commentator, political analyst, author, documentary producer, lecturer, and human rights activist. He served as a non-governmental delegate on human rights to the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland for 10 years. He heads the Armenia Artsakh Fund, which has provided over 900 million of humanitarian assistance to Armenia in the past 30 years. He is also the publisher of the California Courier. Lastly, he is the recipient of the prestigious Ellis Island Medal of Honor. Good morning, Harut. Uh, thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic. How are you doing this morning? Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for um, being on the show at this sort of, I don't know what the word is anymore to call the state we're in, uh, nationally and internationally, of course, with, the, with COVID-19 still very much part of our lives and the election coming up. And then, of course... Um, on top of all that, there's an there's a war happening halfway across the world that uh, is not really getting the attention that it deserves. And at this point, I don't know if I should call it a war. It's more like a a slaughter of um, ethnic Armenians by Azerbaijan and Turkey. But um, before I get into all of that, I just wanted to ask you, from your perspective and where you are today. What's your general consensus and impression of where we are as a country and as a world? Well, the many problems. I mean, the year 2020 has uh, become a, an infamous year with many problems happening all at the same time between the coronavirus that has taken so many lives and continues to. And uh, there are conflicts around the world. There are uh, political divisions within the United States and other countries. It's been a, a disaster all around. Yeah. And uh, and now we have a, a new issue, with, which is the war that uh, the Republic of Azerbaijan unleashed on Nagorno-Karabakh, or what Armenians call Artsakh, and the Republic of Armenia. And uh, Supporting the Azerbaijan is uh, Republic of Turkey with its powerful military, which is the second largest military in NATO. And on top of that, the Turkey has uh, recruited uh, several thousand uh, mercenaries who are uh, Islamist uh, terrorists from northern Syria and brought them to Azerbaijan to fight against Armenians. 
So it's it's a very bad situation, and it's, the fighting has been going on for uh, two weeks. The Azerbaijan and Turkish militaries have unleashed constant, non-stop missiles, a rain of missiles, on not only the military, but also the Armenian population, civilian population, in various cities and villages in Artsakh and in Armenia itself, which is a war crime. They've also used uh, another illegal military tool, which is uh, cluster bombs. Right. It's also banned under international law, and they've uh, unleashed that on the civilian population in cities and towns. They also violated the uh, UN Convention, which Azerbaijan is a party to, of uh, using and uh, recruiting, transferring mercenaries. That's also uh, illegal. Uh, by the UN Convention. Uh, so there's been a lot of violations. And most recently, yesterday, President of Russia, Putin, invited uh, the foreign ministers of Armenia, Azerbaijan, to Moscow, try to come up with an agreement to cease fire and go back to the negotiation negotiating table. So after 11 hours of discussions, they finally agreed to ceasefire at uh, 1 a.m. Saturday, Los Angeles time. But uh, up until 1 a.m., the Azeri forces kept shelling the Armenian uh, fronts and targets. And even after 1 a.m., when the ceasefire was supposed to take place, the Azeri shelling continued non-discriminate against civilian towns and villages. They also went into an Armenian town on the border and they uh, killed an elderly person and a handicapped uh, grandson, uh, which is very tragic. Uh, It's just, uh, there's no self-respect, there's no respect of anybody else. They just, uh, you know, what Azeris and Turks are doing now reminds everyone of the genocide of Armenians by Turkish government in 1915, 105 years ago. And this is a repeat, and if uh, Armenians can fail to defend themselves, the same genocide will be repeated which Armenians uh, cannot uh, allow, and uh, they're willing to fight to the end to prevent that. And fortunately, there are Armenians in dozens of countries who were scattered or escaped from the genocide in 1915, and many of them live in the United States, in Europe, Middle East, Australia, Canada, uh, Asia, Russia, and they're all uh, joining hands and raising funds, trying to provide humanitarian aid to the people uh, as much as they can. So the community has been galvanized, and we have the support of many local politicians, Congressman Schiff, Congressman Brad Sherman, 
Uh, Frank Pallone. Support of Los Angeles City Council, Paul Krikorian, State Assembly, State Senate, the Mayor of Los Angeles, Governor Newsom of uh, California. So we're uh, trying to defend ourselves as much as we can against the onslaught, the barbaric attacks by Azerbaijan and Turkey on innocent Armenians. Yeah, thank you for that. That was a very uh, thorough explanation of what is happening. This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with Harut Sasminian, journalist, political analyst, and the publisher of The California Courier. It's just daunting. I feel powerless, even though I'm doing whatever that I can. It's his, you know, history repeating itself. It's... Um, you know, Armenia, a country of barely three million, is defending itself against Turkey with a population of 80 million, Azerbaijan, a population of 10 million. Then on top of that, they brought in mercenaries from you know, Syrian mercenaries, ISIS fighters, and Pakistani mercenaries, and even Libyan mercenaries, from what I hear. It's, um, it's no joke. And so my question to you is, what do you think about the international community's response, especially uh, those organizations that can do something like the Council of Europe, European Union, the European Parliament, Human Rights Watch, Kremlin? Do you think that uh, they're doing enough? Well, one serious problem that we've had for years, every time the Azeris shoot across the border through sharpshooters or launch missiles, the international community, out of the misguided uh, sense of uh, uh, balance and fairness, they uh, call on both sides to cease fire right. and, uh, and uh, come back to negotiating table. table, table. Uh, but uh, what the final result of such... Uh, misguided balance is that it encourages the, the aggressor to continue the attacks knowing that it will not get any uh, bad rap because they're not and called they, out they're not called out they're not called out and they, uh, they 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 don't lose anything they just keep shooting and even uh, this recent war that Azerbaijan started because I mean honestly Armenia has no reason to start a war they already uh, liberated Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh. For uh, they've been living in their uh, native territory for 30 years, and they have no reason to attack. They have they have no demands from Azerbaijan right. uh, to continue the attacks or, or or warmongering. Azerbaijan is the one that keeps attacking. They've attacked for years. Uh, on top of it, the president of uh, Azerbaijan, Ilham Aliyev. Uh, not a day passes where he does not threaten military attacks, aggression, not only against Nagorno-Karabakh people, Armenians, but also against Armenia itself. Even claims that Armenia is, is, is part of Azerbaijan, and so, so yeah, he's delusional. <laughs> yeah, it, it is delusional, and uh, the uh, international community constantly is trying to be balanced. It's a false balance, and uh, the uh, they, 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 Azeris keep attacking. They uh, they raise a lot of noise, and uh, they don't care about the towns of their soldiers who die, These, uh, poor young people. Uh, and you know, and my heart goes out 
uh, they're all human beings, they're all God's children, whether they're Azeri or Armenian, they're, they're, they're getting killed for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> this is an issue that Minsk Group, the OSCE, has created a, a team of negotiators composed of United States, France, and Russia. High-level diplomats are on that team, and they go back and forth trying to negotiate a ceasefire. But Azerbaijan doesn't accept anything short of Armenian Armenians giving up their uh, uh, homeland, which they've they've lived on uh, for uh, centuries, thousands of years, in fact. Right. And uh, and uh, the negotiations are not getting anywhere because of that, because of the irreconcilable position of Azerbaijan and constantly threatening war and then now the war has happened and another war happened in 2016 and a lot of young people died and another attack happened this year in July uh, a few months ago they just all these people are getting uh, killed and uh, injured for no reason whatsoever it, it's just it's just a shame yeah. and, uh, and and to make matters worse uh, the government of Azerbaijan has not announced the death of a single Azeri soldier since the war started. And in our estimation, there's been over 4,000 Azeri soldiers dead, whereas uh, Nagorno-Karabakh and uh, Armenian uh, governments announce every single Armenian soldier's death or uh, wounding uh, uh, which which uh, doesn't make it easier to uh, swallow the the pain and the so- sorrow right. we have for, for the victims, but uh, it's just such shame as a, as a human being. We don't want anybody killed from any side, and uh, unfortunately, when the ceasefire was agreed on uh, late last night in Moscow between the foreign minister of Azerbaijan and Armenia, the uh, spokesman for President Erdogan of uh, Turkey came on the air and they encouraged Azerbaijan to carry on the, the fighting and not uh, and not stop until they uh, get rid of the Armenians in Nagorno-Karabakh and recover the land. They just, they're pouring uh, fuel on the fire and uh, we haven't heard a word from uh, U.S. government, Pres- President Trump, trying to pressure uh, the dictator, uh, the bloodthirsty Erdogan, to uh, stop. Why? Uh, why would he? It, it, he he was the one that, when the Armenian Genocide Resolution Act was going in front of the House in November, he hosted Erdogan in the White House for a week. And after the House near unanimously passed the resolution, and the Senate unanimously passed it. He had the audacity to say it was not genocide. So we're talking about a corrupt man that can't be a leader for his own country, nonetheless leader for the international community. And of course, we know about his properties and all the all the finances tied to Azerbaijan and uh, Turkey for uh, Trump. So uh, I'm not surprised there. <laughs> this is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with Harut Sasmunian, journalist, political analyst, and the publisher of the California Courier. To your point about uh, international communities, especially the presses, this sort of distorted, absurd balancing thing that they're trying to do, which makes things worse, I've been telling 
my colleagues, journalists, have been saying, you know, if you go to the home of, to a home where the woman is being uh, beaten and she's a victim of domestic abuse, you don't sit the husband and the wife down and say, we'd like both of you to put down your fists because you know clearly who is beating whom. So why is this narrative just constantly going around that both sides need to put it down? Uh, Artsakh did not instigate it. Armenia did not instigate it. This is a, this is a much bigger plan of pan-Turkic ideology of Azerbaijan and Turkey that have been hinting at it, and they're finally doing it. Uh, and I am disappointed, to be honest with you, with with the European community, because we know we're not going to get leadership from the U.S. in terms of D.C. Certainly, we've uh, we've seen some incredible leadership in the states, on you know, from our members of Congress, like uh, Congresswoman Jackie Speier and Adam Schiff, as you mentioned, and and uh, of course uh, Congressman Frank Pallone and many others. But from Europe, I feel like they're very weak, um, and they really need to call it as it is. Uh, and stop yeah, the, Let me just add two two points. One is that the only country in Europe that has been very fair and honest uh, is uh, President Macron of France, right. who uh, publicly announced that uh, we know that Azerbaijan initiated the aggression, not Armenia, and also said we have evidence that Turkey brought in Islamic terrorists to, to the region to fight against Armenians. Uh, that's very uh, worthwhile, and uh, Macron tried to do everything possible, uh, as France is one of the three mediating countries of uh, OSC men's group, trying to find this mediation and the ceasefire. We appreciate yeah. that. Yes, But uh, sure. the rest of the countries haven't done anything. Now, the, the reason is that, in general, in the world we live in, unfortunately, there's no sense of justice there's no sense of legality, there's no sense of imply, uh, applying international law. The world only believes in uh, power, mm-hmm. uh, military might, and money and resources. Azerbaijan has billions of dollars of oil, which the West wants, and it has the uh, close support of uh, Turkey, which uh, Aliyev of Azerbaijan calls Erdogan my big brother. And uh, together <clears throat> with their major lobbying firms in the United States and elsewhere, they uh, able to uh, force their will uh, yeah. on uh, th- these countries. And uh, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, President Trump, who strangely seems to have a particular love for dictators yeah. from the North Korean dictator to President Putin of Russia to uh, Erdogan. Uh, and he even said himself uh, to Woodward uh, in his latest book, and uh, his, his words were recorded on the phone. He said, I know Erdogan is, is a bad guy, but uh, it, it's uh, strangely I get along very well with uh, bad guys and uh, dictators, I don't get along so well with friendly leaders, which is really, I mean, anybody who acknowledges such a thing must have something uh, screw loose in their head, Uh, must be crazy to get along with your uh, enemies and and, uh, antagonize your uh, allies in NATO and uh, other places. It just, uh, 
I mean, this, this country is just going to the dogs. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how we uh, lived through uh, four years of Trump. And I hope we've seen uh, the end of him in, uh, in, in a few weeks, uh, the election on November 3rd. Amen. Amen. And yes, I, I want to echo what you said about France. France has been a leader and a trailblazer and, you know, at the forefront and an ally to the Armenian people from the beginning and keeps really being an idealist and all of this. So they should definitely get that credit. And I do want to say when you when you mentioned about their lobbyists, the Turkey, Turkish and Azari lobbyists, the former senator uh, Dick Gephardt is one of the biggest ones that's taking their millions and lobbying his former colleagues for the interests of uh, what I essentially call two terrorist nations, which is what they're doing right now. They're carrying out another genocide. It's just disheartening, and it's a major humanitarian issue. And so what can we do, Harut, as we move forward from today? What can people do who are listening? Well, in general, since we're lucky enough to live in a democracy, we need to, all of us, raise our voices, contact our elected officials, tell them the, the truth about what's going on, tell them to defend the the self-determination rights of the uh, people of Artsakh. Uh, it, it's a principle that's enshrined in the uh, United Nations uh, principles. And uh, we, we are a democratic country. We believe in democracy. We, we believe in human rights and justice and uh, self-determination. We, we should all back uh, the uh, uh, Armenia and uh, Artsakh and uh, condemn uh, Turkey and Azerbaijan for their uh, barbaric behavior and attacks. Yeah. We should also urge uh, municipalities, states, and counties to issue a, a resolution recognizing the uh, independence of uh, Artsakh. And, uh, and, and uh, we've, had, you know, we've had enough of uh, uh, bullying of uh, poor innocent people and attacking civilians. Uh, these people, many of them were born since the war that uh, ended in, in, the, in 1994, uh, the majority of the population Artsakh has never lived under Azeri rule, so they don't know what it is to live as, as a slave and uh, the, uh, with, with the violation of their basic rights. Yeah. So they, they uh, after, after this attack, this massive attack by uh, uh, Azerbaijan on Artsakh and and shelling nonstop their uh, residences. I'm sure no Armenian in Artsakh or anywhere else will ever want to see uh, Armenians going back and living under uh, Azeri uh, ruthless uh, rule. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, if Aliyev thinks he's going to endear himself to Artsakh Armenians to come back to Azerbaijan, he's just done exact opposite. He's just. Uh, antagonize them to no end right. and there's no way after this attack that any Armenian can can live uh, under Aliyev. Yeah. Harut, you are the publisher of the California Courier, which has been around since 58, I believe, and yes. one of the most respected Armenian-American publications in the country. And so, and I also know that you write, you're a columnist and you write uh, brilliant pieces. How can people uh, get in touch with you? Well, uh, they, they can either contact you, and uh, you will forward the, to me 
or they can send me an email at uh, sasun, spelled S-A-S-S-O-U-N, at pacbell, P-A-C-B-E-L-L, pacbell.net. And I'll be happy to answer their emails. Fantastic. Sasun at pacbell.net. Harut, anything you'd like to add before we go? Well, I, I just I just hope that uh, everybody, especially the people in the major countries, uh, speak up and pressure the uh, aggressors, uh, Azerbaijan and Turkey, to uh, stop the attacks, stop killing innocent people, and sit down and then negotiate a peaceful solution. Well said. Thank you so much for being on the show. Much appreciated. And uh, Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. That was Harut Sasunyan journalist, political analyst, politico, and the publisher of the California Courier newspaper. Thank you, Harut, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic today. Before we go, I want to thank my extremely talented producer, Ricky Herrera. And uh, of course, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode. For more information, you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami. Uh, both Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at Vic Jarami. That's V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. The Blunt Post with Vic.